coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. We make like a pokey in night mode and slither through the air. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the Super Mario Maker 2 update. And then on Thursday, we've got part two of our best Nintendo music tournament. But Mark, in the meantime, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And part of that is like not to toot our own horns. Too much, uh-huh. but I mean, let's do it. A I'm little. feeling pretty good about our best Nintendo music ever tournament. Yes, and uh, of course, we could not have done it without our listeners, who nominated 150 separate pieces of music uh, that we whittled down. We are in the process of whittling down. Also, couldn't do it without Greg Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a thank you to uh, everyone, and also to Greg Smith separately. And keep listening, because if yeah. you thought part one was crazy, um, and ho- hopefully you didn't. Hopefully you thought that it was well-reasoned and uh, that it all made sense. Uh-huh. Then you will also think that part two is, uh, at first you'll think crazy, and then you'll say well-reasoned and all made sense. Uh, speaking of well-reasoned and makes perfect sense, you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. You know what you need to do in order to do that? It's very simple. All you got to do, send us an email. Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give me a mailing address and I send you my copy of Sonic Forces in the mail. Is Sonic Forces out in the mail right now? No, I w- was uh, this last week was a holiday week, uh, so it, it came back to me. It makes perfect and, sense. Yeah. And really, you want to time it perfectly yeah. so it shows up in that Christmas New Year period. Oh, yeah. You know, where people are most willing to accept joy into their lives. Right. You will be hailed, <laughs> you will be hailed as the new Santa Claus. Everyone will say, get a load of this guy. He's got Sonic Tim Forces. Tim Allen, dead. That's right. You, mm-hmm. the new Santa Claus. Also, Noelle, probably. She's dead. Like, gone. You're the new Santa. Um, if you want to be a Santa Claus to us, uh, to Nintendo Cartridge Society, you can rate uh, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's right. That's all we want for Christmas this year. Thank you to KCAM Fork for leaving us a review. And again, we love reviews from any store in yes, any region. Yes. But the only one we can see right. is uh, the Apple Podcast Store in the United States. So if you review us somewhere else and you take a screen grab and you email it to us or tweet it at us, uh, we'll see that too. Yeah, we would like love that. to we'll show we'll, you. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we love all of that. Um, we got uh, an email from uh, Dustin, follow-up to a question that we posed uh, last week. Um, Dustin writes, hey... Mark and Patrick. I stumbled over our own names. I apologize. Uh, He says, on today's episode, you asked for parents to write in and give some feedback on whether we had heard of any kids not being allowed to play video games, specifically Nintendo. 
Here are my two cents. I let my kids play a little bit each day, but try to make sure they don't just sit in front of the TV uh, all day, similar to how Mark described his childhood with a two-hour limit. And I turned out fine. Mark turned out great. Now, regarding letting them not play Nintendo, that seems pretty crazy. I almost exclusively have them play Nintendo games. They generally do a good job. They, Nintendo, generally do a good job of avoiding excessive violence or unnecessary mature themes in games. I've not seen another company better at making games that are uh, able to do that while still remaining fun to play splatoon 2 is a perfect example of this i won't let my kids play shooters and won't don't play them myself because my kids are just uh, old enough to play what i want to play um splatoon 2 is a perfect way to scratch that itch in a completely appropriate and fun focused way uh looking forward to the three-part music tournament dustin p.s he says uh quote mark is really great on the podcast haha <laughs> it was really funny to me when you patrick said that on the podcast that people normally compliment mark when they talk to you or when they talk to you about the podcast i'll just say that you are both uh doing an awesome job uh, on the show and it would not be the same without either of you <clears throat> thank you dustin i did not say that for for anyone's pity yeah but it didn't hurt no i liked it <laughs> I liked hearing it. <laughs> no, I do think it's. I, I mean, I think it's true. I think it's awkward for like somebody, especially probably a friend or someone yeah, you know, yes. to come up to you and like compliment you on your podcast. We haven't reached a part in, like a place in society where that feels okay yet. No. So, but it's okay. But by really by complimenting me to you, they're complimenting you. If that makes sense. Yes. It it does. Look, I don't want to dwell on this for too long. <laughs> I mean, we can do a whole 433 on this if we want. <laughs> it seems like it's at least uh, like tangentially talking about Nintendo, right? <laughs> um all right. Uh well, and also uh good to know that um you know, we were asking about uh, parents uh, limiting their oh, kids' that, right. um, Nintendo uh, exposure because of that Miyamoto quote where he was saying that uh, he wanted the characters to be uh, more approachable than Disney or more recognizable than Or just uh, like Disney. as recognizable as yeah. Disney. Um, so it seems like that's maybe a, a barrier that uh, he's got in his head that maybe other parents don't. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Uh, thank you, Dustin, for writing in. That is helpful. Uh, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So I have gone hard back into Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and I uh, love this game. I think it's amazing. And it drove me to a point this weekend where I texted you, Mark, and I said, uh, I think I'm just a Dragon Quest guy now. Which makes me so happy. Well, okay, so it's it it's making me like pose a lot of big questions, like what do I do next once I finish? And it's gonna be a while because I I think I just triggered like the second act of the game, mm -hmm. um, where you know I thought all of my I thought we were leading up to something, and uh, you know that was reaching a conclusion, and nope, it's just a point for the story to like turn on its head and for everything to suddenly be terrifying. Um, and I love it. So I will be at this for another 80 hours of gameplay, I'm sure. But when I am done with this game, what do I do next? Yeah, Dragon the world Quest is really open to you at this point. Kind of, yeah. Um, you know, do I go for, like, 8 is a well-regarded uh, game. Uh, I could get it on 3DS. Um, 7, I believe, is also on 3DS. It is, because I bought it and mm -hmm. have never gone to combat in that game. Just because I never really played it. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I would not personally start with seven or eight. Okay. Uh, there's a remake of five that I think is on the 3DS. So I think that's on DS. Oof. Because um, I, I went looking. Yeah. And a lot of the uh, remakes on DS, which are all, uh, you know, well regarded, um, the cartridges go for like 70, 80 bucks now. Yeah. I wonder. I mean, three is good and three is on the Switch eShop mm-hmm. now. Um, but I mean, five is awesome. Uh, another DS one, but like the, my first Dragon Quest game was nine okay. on the DS. Um, another one that's going for like 60 bucks. Right. Now. Yeah. I don't know. I'd put it to our listeners. Yeah. You know, maybe they have, um, good suggestions of which one you should play and where you can get it. I mean, yeah. I, I, eight is really well regarded. It's just not one of my favorites personally. Yeah, sure. So I would welcome that. If anyone has any advice as to what Dragon Quest I play next, I would love to hear it. Um, on the subject of me playing Dragon Quest 11, uh, we got an email from, um, uh, Martin who said, uh, hi, sorry to bother, bother you guys. I'm sure you're busy enough determining the definitive best piece of Nintendo music. That's right, Martin. We are very busy. It consumes us. He says, I'm impressed that Patrick can play two RPGs at once, because I mentioned that I was playing uh, Pokemon as well. Uh, I'd love to hear how he decides which one to play and how much time each one gets. I would be overwhelmed by analysis paralysis and run out of gaming time before I make a decision. Love the show, as always. Uh, Martin, and then he says, "P.S. Hello to Mark. I didn't want him to feel left out." <laughs> Thank you Just because I did. A question. <laughs> I was crying silently. He was, um, and it was actually but not I'm silent. A pro- I'm a professional, That's but right. I did it away from the mic. That's right. Um, so I guess I was playing the two games at once in that I uh, put Dragon Quest on hold for a little bit so I could like get myself uh, immersed in Pokemon, uh, get a good like 10, 11 hours into it and then go back to Dragon Quest, and I have not looked back to Pokemon yet. I know I will, but I feel like Dragon Quest is just like taken... Do you know you will? No, (laughs) I don't. I do have a bad history of not going back to Pokemon (laughs) games. Um, But, uh, you know, I I don't think I even would have attempted it or even would have been back to dragon quest if it weren't so good at like re-onboarding you every time Mm -hmm. um that uh i'm i'm never really at a loss for like what to do or where to go next in that game um i know when i go back to pokemon i will have a moment of like what was i doing i'm feeling that about fire Emblem three houses sure okay um uh yeah that 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 can be really tough um and i i think dragon quest does such a good job of that uh, with its recaps and with uh, being able to pull up the map at any point to see where I'm supposed to be headed next. Um, but yeah, if if it were two other games, I, I I don't know that I'd be able to do it. Yeah, the recap thing is so smart. Like I yeah. wish I feel like every big RPG yeah, should be doing something everyone, like that. Everyone needs it. <laughs> um, I have been playing more Pokemon. Yeah, how's that going for you? It's going pretty good. I am two gyms in now, but which I have enjoyed. Um, I think before the game was released, I was under the impression that you could only like Dynamax, Gigantamax, like a certain number of Pokemon or only, you know, only certain Pokemon. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be the case. I think you can pretty much Gigantamax any of them. You can Gigantamax any of them. It's Dynamaxing that you can't do with all of them, right? What's the distinction? One of them happens in the gym battles. Uh Uh-huh. And the other one is like out in the wild area. Okay. I don't know. I don't actually know. Remember, I stopped playing this game. Uh, right. No, and Quest. I think you're right. There definitely is a distinction. I am playing unclear what that distinction is. Um, I have been spending a lot of time in the wild area. I think it's really cool. Have you done any of the um, 
No, like the Max like, Raid battles? Yeah. No. They're pretty fun. They basically just go up against a big old Pokemon. Oh, yeah. And you can either play with other people or do it yourself. I found the connections to be okay. When you're actually out in the wild area and you see people biking around, that is a little bit of a trippy experience because uh, sometimes like everyone's like frozen and then they'll start pedaling for a little bit and then like yeah. freeze again. Um, but man, I just find this game really pleasant and fun. You know, uh, I played Let's Go Eevee, and previously that was probably like my favorite Pokemon experience because I feel like they streamlined a lot of the stuff I didn't like about Pokemon. And uh, I really feel like this Sword and Shield have taken the lessons from Let's Go. Like they took a lot of the stuff I like from Let's Go, mm-hmm. and it's like refined Pokemon even further. I- I'm really having a blast. Um, that's great. I, I, I love, uh, I mean, like I, I was really enjoying it as well. Um, and like, I feel bad about not, uh, sinking more time into it. Um, but I'm glad that you're also having, uh, fun and like with all everything that's simplified, uh, is like working for you. And maybe it is because I like previously had played Let's Go. And so all the gen one Pokemon, you know, were like fresh on my mind, but I'm, and much less so you know, the other six generations. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying, like, there's so many Pokemon that are, like, new to me. Oh, yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. which is, like, a lot of fun. And as much as I love, you know, um, the Gen 1 Pokemon, like, not having them be front and center has been, like, really exciting to me. Yeah, 100% that. Uh, I loved that in the first, like, couple hours, I was just seeing Pokemon that were new to me. Um, either because they were genuinely new or because they were more obscure uh, Pokemon from later gen. So, yeah, I, I, I love that, too. And then I've also been playing Super Mario World, mm. which, man, just a great game. Solid you know, it game. was, like, rainy over Thanksgiving. and Kind of uh, cold. And, like, yeah, cold and, like, the holidays are just a perfect time to pull out your favorite game and play a little bit of it. And, man, this game is so good. Um. Were you, were you playing by yourself? Or? I was. I was yeah. playing by myself. Um, you know, like all the the levels with like the secret exits, and you know when you're at a level with a secret exit, and some of them are like really tricky. Yeah. And you're like, I gotta get this one. Like, there's the one on like I don't know what it's, I can't remember what it's called. It's like Butter Bridge yep. or something. Don't know what it's called. And you have to, you know, you have to like uh, use your cape. To uh, go like under the first one, mm-hmm. under the first exit, and then pop back up in time to get to the second exit. Like it's so good. I love this game so much. Yeah, I mean it's an almost perfect game. Um, and I one that I didn't uh, like as a kid. I wasn't as invested in as I know I should have been. Um, but like kind of as an adult, like rediscovered it. Um, maybe like in in college is when I, I was like, oh wait a minute. I should be playing this game like every year, and I basically do. Like I own it on so many different platforms, and I'll I'll play it anywhere it goes. All right, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, December third, we have Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition coming out. We have Earth Knight coming out. Yeah, Earth Knight. Remember Earth Knight from the uh, like Nindy Direct a little bit ago? Is this the cool one with like dragons? Yeah, it's the cool one oh, with dragons. Oh, yes, I do remember Earth this. Knight. Yeah. Awesome. I-, I didn't realize that was coming out so soon. There you go. And then uh, Saga, Saga, Scarlet Grace, Ambitions is released. I think, yeah, I think we just say Saga. 
I mean, the G is capitalized, so like it's confusing, but I mean, it's it's not that confusing. I've heard this franchise talked about a billion times. Yeah. Um, and then on December fifth, Star Ocean First Departure R is released, as well as I- Alien I- Isolation. And then on December sixth, Assassin's Creed: The Rebel Collection, which is one, two, and three. Uh, no, I wouldn't think it'd be one, two, and three. I think let's actually look it up because uh, my... is it three? My instinct was going to be three and then... Black the, Flag? Um, yeah, maybe Black Flag. I mean, let's just look it up. <laughs> What's the name of it? Assassin's Creed... <laughs> the Rebel Collection. Rebel Collection. Um, all right, looking it up. It looks like... Uh, okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling up an image of the Assassin's Creed Black Flag and Assassin's Creed Rogue. Oh, Okay, so there you go. Coming out on Nintendo <laughs> Switch for 40 bucks. Um, is, is anything in here of interest to you, Mark? No, I've, I've got to make progress on either Pokemon yep. or Fire Emblem yep. or Star Dragon Quest 11S. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're singing my song. That's uh, mm-hmm. uh, me exactly. Uh, and then also, like, Shovel Knight comes out uh, next week. So, yeah, uh, I'll... There are some interesting games in here, like Alien Isolation, um, and I'm always a little bit intrigued by a Star Ocean game, uh, but I'm never going to pick it up. So, I mean, Earth Knight. Maybe I'll pick oh, up maybe Earth Knight. Maybe Earth Knight. Maybe, maybe Earth Knight. Um, okay. Uh, well, so let's uh, close out the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on this show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Today, we are talking about movie theater experiences, both good and bad and what sparked this and why i want to talk about it today is that over the weekend i saw knives out at the alamo draft house in downtown los angeles and i've been to an alamo draft house before uh but there it's nice you go I've never been oh man all the it's... theaters are really small right Intimate. yeah yes yes uh and it doesn't like feel it's not like a small screen i mean maybe it is but it doesn't feel that way um but yeah it's n- not a lot of seats um, you know, they make a point of being like, if anyone's on their phone or, you know, if your phone's emitting any light or any sound at all, you'll get one warning and then you'll get kicked out. Um, which is uh, nice. Just, you know, every time I go to the movies, I feel like there is a slight, there's like a, a slight chance that like someone's going to get into a confrontation with someone else about like, put that phone away. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is it. Just like eliminates that, and then also you can get like food. They have a menu that's multiple pages. Yeah. So I've never been to an Alamo Draft yeah. House, and let you know this doesn't have to become a commercial for how great Alamo Draft House is. Right. Um. But how does the food ordering work? Like, how is that not disruptive? Sure. So it is at least a little bit disruptive. But if you're ordering something during the movie itself, you just write what you want on this slip of paper, and then like put it up at your um, like at your little table, and then the waiter comes around and like grabs it, uh, looks at it, and if there's something they don't understand, then they'll ask you. But otherwise, they just grab it, read it, disappear, and then come back. Does with like your food. the theater open early so you can order right? Like so you can order your food before the movie starts. I mean, not any earlier than like any other movie would. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, 
Yeah, it's and you know like ordering during previews like that you know that all feels fine too. Um, and then like the sound and picture quality is great, and you just like have a nice time and like have some good food and drink a beer and watch the movie. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, also the bar at the Alamo Draft House in L.A. Uh, was also very nice. Music set at an appropriate level. Didn't have to shout over We're the music. old. I'm this is old. important. Yes, it is. Also, they had four arcade machines all on free play. These four arcade machines were Super Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, Miss Pac-Man, and a fourth one that was also good. <laughs> I've also don't they also have again? This is not a commercial, right. but don't they also have like a movie rental program type thing? They also have a movie rental program type thing, which seemed great because it's like free movie rentals. I think that's awesome. I might be making that part. I've got to go. I've got to. You go. got to go. You got to go. You pay for it, right? Uh, the ticket itself is almost twenty bucks, mm-hmm. but that's uh, comparable to seeing something at like the ArcLight. Yeah, totally. Uh, what what do you look for in a movie theater experience? Um, what what do your favorite theaters have? Mm. So I like uh, in LA. I really like the Vista, mm-hmm. which is um, an Me old too. theater that was built in maybe the nineteen thirties, nineteen twenties, something like that. Sure, that uh, has kind of been renovated, and you know they just show one movie at a time. But the tickets are really cheap; they're like less than ten bucks. Yeah, and um, it's such a fun crowd going experience it's a great that's where we saw like avengers endgame yep and uh it's just like a really fun theater to see those like event movies in yeah totally um and then you know like i do appreciate the arc light or any place that kind of makes a i love going to the movies i love going to the theater and so any place that like makes it a positive experience where you know that you know like people aren't going to be talking or looking at their phones or taking selfies yeah. or all, all that kind of stuff is uh i mean that's really what i'm looking for did I tell you about when Sarah and I went to see uh, the second Spider-Man? When I say the second Spider-Man, I mean the third second Spider-Man. So Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, that there was a kid in the row in front of us who pulled out his phone and filmed every second of the movie that Zendaya was in. <laughs> that's so annoying, but I that's I, that's so funny to me. I mean, it's that, and we ultimately said nothing because... It's so funny that he just wanted to capture the moments of the movie that Zendaya were in. Well, so uh, my husband and I went and saw Frozen 2, not this last weekend, but two weekends ago. Um, opening weekend, we went and saw Frozen 2. That's right. We, we did the same. <laughs> and uh, in the row in front of us, we were just unlocking where we like sat. The row in front of us was like a group of teenagers um, who were not, like, honestly, were not that, dist- they were fine, right? Uh, yeah. Except that they were taking like selfies through the entire thing, so like Weird. there would be like flashes occasionally, which is like kind of like annoying, especially because you know that I'm terrified that they're like taking photos of me. Oh yeah, and be like, and they Look are. At you know they are. <laughs> Look at this ghoul sitting behind us. Uh, one time I saw a swim fan, and there was a knife fight at the end. <laughs> All right, we were accompanied today by the K2 Orchestra, uh, and so thank you for that, K2 Orchestra. Mark, let's get into the news. It's kind of been a while since we've heard anything about like a Super Mario Maker 2 update. And I guess really in actuality, it hasn't been that long, well, but it feels like an eternity. I mean, we haven't like had an update, right? Well, I mean, we had the uh, like play together update or whatever oh, sure. that was. I guess, yeah, that's fair. Um, but this one is feels big. Yes. Uh, so Super Mario Maker 2 is getting a version 2.0 today. 
And uh, the announcement... No, on, on Thursday. Oh, Thursday, December 5th. Yes, yes. of course. Um, the announcement came in the form of a video on Nintendo's YouTube channel Monday morning. New features include some new enemies like Spike. We love Spike. Uh, he's, he's your classic Spike. Spits a ball and throws it at you. Yeah, if you can't picture him, he's like kind of he's a little like green blobby alien or dinosaur type thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I think he's got a turtle. <laughs> I shell mean, he's too. a Spike, right? Um, in snowy themes, he spits out snowballs. Adorable. Uh, spike balls are shown breaking bricks and breaking solid bricks when Spike is giant, which is awesome. Uh, and they also act as like weight on seesaw platforms and triggering switches and all that fun stuff. Which means people are going to be crazy and they're going to make uh, spikes trigger all sorts of uh, awesome like traps and like you'll need to keep certain spikes alive. I'm sure to like get through levels and like travel with its little spiky. Like it's it, people are gonna do awesome awesome stuff. We also see spike in all five game styles, which is not true of everything all the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I tried to, when pulling together this news, tried to make a point of, uh, highlighting what themes or what, uh, game styles they showed each of the, the new pieces in, because it's not all going to be in all of it, but they're also not necessarily saying, right. uh, for all of these, what, uh, styles they're all in. We're also getting a new pokey enemy type. It's oh, like yeah. the cactus enemy. Uh, it's available in a variety of sizes and, uh, vulnerable to fire and Yoshi. In night mode, pokies fly around. They kind of like slither through the air. And even scarier, if uh, you give them wings, they hone in on Mario. Which is a nightmare, right? These like giant cactus snakes, like flying through the air, trying to like take a bite of Mario. Yeah. It's a lot. Uh, the snow theme makes Pokey a snowman. Adorable. And even leave, leaves behind a little snowball when he's killed. And uh, we only see Pokey in the Super Mario World style. And we only see the snowman version in the 3D world style, but uh, they don't like go out of their way to mention that he's exclusive to those styles. Yeah, um, and it—I mean, I guess that makes sense because like it—I don't remember that enemy in uh, like Super Mario Brothers three, right? Or the original. Um, not that that has you know stopped them. Um, Spike obviously wasn't in the original Super Mario Brothers, but they have a version of him uh, in in this. We're also getting some new items like frozen coins. Uh, they're an ice block that thaw out when it's like hit by fire. They can be Mario's fire, fireballers, um, burners, and or even like the angry sun. I love that it is not just uh like the fire flower flower uh, fire. Um, that fire can be from other sources. Um, that's really neat and just like a fun little attention to detail, and sort of implies that like there is like that elemental quality to right, it. Right. Yeah. That it's like fire behaves this way, mm -hmm. ice behaves this way. And we see this in all game styles. They also are introducing a P-block, which is uh, solid, unbreakable blocks that appear when you trigger a P-switch, um, if only for like a certain short amount of time. Yep. That one's only... We've only seen it in the 3D World and Super Mario World style, but again, there's no mention of it being like specifically exclusive to those. There's also Dash Block, which is exclusive to the 3D World style, and it makes Mario run super fast and jump super far. So you can also use it on, like, the car as well. Um, and this is, like, such a uh, foundational, like, bit of S Super Mario 3D World that it does, uh, it felt like it was missing before, right? Like, that is a feature of that game. Uh, and it's just nice to finally see it coming over to Mario Maker. And this, of course, is where we make our obligatory plug. Bring 3D World to Switch. 
please. I am begging you. The game is too good to be left on uh, Wii U. Uh, and then, yeah, they dropped some real big news. Yes. Um, the Master Sword Power Up. Yeah. Master Sword Power Up effectively turns, not effectively, uh, turns Mario into Link. <laughs> yeah. Transforms him into Link. With, like, all of his moves. Yes. Right? Uh, for the 8-bit version. I yeah. think it's exclusive to the 8-bit mm-hmm. version. Um, so Mario transforms into Link. He can attack with a shield. Um, and Or, sorry, he can attack with a sword and block with a shield. He can dash attack and down thrust. You get bomb and arrows. Uh, they can be used to collect coins and items can be aimed in three different directions. Bombs can blow up solid bricks. Comes complete with an 8-bit Zelda music and sound effects. And it looks awesome. Yeah, it looks, uh, it, 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 it like transforms the game, right? I hope, I, I wonder what the like kind of workaround is here for, um, like if you get hit, do you lose that power up? Right, yeah. Because one of the things that I really liked about the um, original Super Mario Maker is that it had, for, for the um, original Super Mario Brothers style, um, all of these uh, mystery mushrooms where you could scan in an amiibo and get like a different costume for any of the amiibos that you could scan in. So you could make Mario look like whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and a, a lot of levels that I played at that time, they would place a, a new mystery mushroom like every you know couple screens so that it w- you were always going to look like Charizard, right? Um, they never want you to not <laughs> look that way because that's the theme of the level, uh-huh. right? Um, and then, uh, so I just hope that, uh, like, for this, if the Master Sword appears one place, that, like, you just have new opportunities to just keep getting it. Right, you know or I mean? if you, like, die and, you know, I guess maybe just after a checkpoint, they have to place a new one in case, yeah. like, backup. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's, uh, I am, like, you very excited to see what people create using all this new stuff. There's also a completely new gameplay mode called Ninji Speedruns. That's right. Ninji! Their course is created by Nintendo specifically for this mode. Other players' Ninji Ghosts run the course with you, and new courses are going to be distributed periodically. You clear courses to collect stamps and Mii costumes, and uh, you get, like, circling gold stars around your Mii if you're good enough. Uh, which is all very exciting. I think the most exciting part of this is uh, new Nintendo-created levels. Totally. And with the promise that they're going to be rolling them out, whatever periodically means, that might mean that there's you know days or weeks or months uh, between when they're released. Uh, but just the promise of more Nintendo levels, is uh, that's enough to get me back in and excited. Yeah, totally. Um, hey, Patrick, it's rumor time. Rumor time! So... Two Metroid games will, according to this rumor, both alike in dignity. Two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> two Metroid games yes. will be coming to the Nintendo both Switch alike in dignity. <laughs> over the course of the next two financial years. Yes. So uh, Nintendo's financial fiscal years kick off in March. Mm-hmm. So over the course of the next two. We could be getting two new Metroid games. The first of which is the much-rumored Metroid Prime Trilogy HD that is supposedly due out um, this coming fiscal year, mm-hmm. starting in March. And then the second is a remake of Super Metroid mm. uh, due out the following year. 
The rumor is that the remake would be in the same style and scope as 2017's Metroid Samus Returns for the 3DS, uh, which was developed by Mercury Steam. Uh, it also implies a much more expansive remake than um, this year's Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, which was like a very faithful, uh, like, square for square remake of that game. Yeah. So, you know, Samus Returns was a very, like, it took the overall concept and, uh, like, that was basically it. Other than that, it was like a brand new game. Which feels right to me for, okay, I'm about to say something and then I'm going to immediately contradict myself. Great. With, that feels okay, right for me for, like, uh, Samus Returns or Return of Samus, like the Game Boy game, yeah, right, and bringing it to like a higher fidelity system. Um, but weird to do for Super Metroid, which is like one of the best games of all time. Yeah, agreed. Because it's Return of Samus is a flawed game. Like it has a lot of problems, and so like getting the update, and it would like updating it is not adequate you needed to tear it all down and rebuild it now that being said zero mission mm. is mm. one of my favorite games of all time uh, i mean or my met favorite metro games sure. of all time but the first game the first metro game is also flawed yes totally and like is the original i feel like for me personally is borderline unplayable um, so I kind of need the zero mission, which is why, like, when you said remake of Super Metroid, I was like, eh. uh, I, I don't know that I need that personally. Uh, and I'm also so attached to the, like, atmosphere and environment that the sounds and visuals of that game already give me that I know I'm going to have a reaction against a Super Metroid remake. Um, and I'm sure it'll be great because Samus Returns was great as well. Um, but I'm just, uh, I'm worried about it. Yeah. It's also interesting. I mean, because Samus returns. Yeah. I would, I'm so interested if this turns out to be true, what it is, what it means, because like Samus returns was so combat focused. Yeah. Like it was all about kind of like, uh, hurrying up and then holding your ground for a little bit to do like the counter and then like all that kind of stuff. It totally changed the rhythm of Metroid games. Totally. It's just it will be really interesting to see how that is applied to something like Super Metroid. See, now I would guess that that is that uh, a Super Metroid remake would not be as focused on combat because one of the like one of the core components of the Return of Samus is that you are on SR388 hunting down the Metroids like the game is at least mm-hmm. in its pitch about combat, mm-hmm. right? Or about murdering, <laughs> murdering yeah. Metroids. Um, and I think Samus Returns just made good on that promise. So I would hope that if it's Mercury Steam or whoever, um, that they are looking at what the concept of Super Metroid is, which is fundamentally about like exploration and um, like slowly gaining mastery over the environment and adapted that mm-hmm. um which wouldn't be as combat focused but, yeah that that's that's yeah. very true and also you know like we just saw a seminal game link's awakening yeah um be remade for the switch i would say very successfully and it makes to my mind it makes complete sense for nintendo be to be doing this it's almost in the same way that disney continues to like remake their animated films in like for live action you know for lack of a, i mean for, for the lion yeah. king that doesn't apply but you know that like aesthetic where it's just like reintroducing these games because i do, i as much as i love you know super nintendo games i also 
realize that that was a it's a generational thing totally and you know if you want to reintroduce people to it it's really it's a hard sell a lot of the time to be like no go play this like 16-bit version of it um a lot of people don't have the same nostalgia for it as we do of course these rumors are coming uh, by way of a twitter user called leaky panda who you know like a lot of people who share inside information get a lot of stuff right they get a lot of stuff wrong right you know rumors we're talking rumors uh although imran khan who formerly formerly of Game Informer and currently of Kinda Funny, and really like probably the insider that we call out by name the most. We do call out Imran a lot. Uh, he corroborates the first half of the rumor, claiming that at one point Nintendo was going to announce Prime Trilogy HD in December. And does he mean? Do you know? Does he mean last December? Because this was a really no this year. Oh, okay, because that was a really big rumor going into the um, Game Awards last December was that they were going to reveal it there. And, you know, as part of, like, the lead-up to Metroid Prime 4, and then when Metroid Prime 4 right. got pushed back or, like, retooled, then um, I, it's totally possible that it'll be happening this year instead. Right. If it happens at all. Um, and, I, I mean, th- I, that is the part of this that excites me the most uh, because, you know, I've, I've mentioned it on the show before, but, like, putting Metroid Prime Trilogy on Switch is not a port job right like it is they have to find a number of like really serious solutions for the motion controls that the trilogy and uh, metroid prime 3 introduced um and like to my mind like wrecked the series with like i i for me the prime games are not playable with motion controls it's not fun you have to be pointing at the screen the whole time your arm's gonna get tired um and if they have mapped like traditional controller um controls onto all three of these games like that's that's so exciting to me and so fun and if everything is in uh hd and widescreen like yes yes yeah it'd be I am very interested, again, if this is real, to see what this is like, because, um, I, I mean, I just feel like we've been talking about it forever totally. as a possibility or not a possibility and, like, the challenges of it, because the original two games were for the GameCube controller. They were not, like, dual analog games. Yeah. And so, it's like, you would be, it's not that they would be removing the motion controls from the first two games and returning it to its original control scheme. There will ha- There would have to be some... I guess you could treat the right stick like the C stick, you know, from right, the even, GameCube controller. But it's even just... even that we've moved on like as a game playing culture from like not really knowing how to control a uh, first person shooter on a controller to understanding it. Like we understand it as you know dual sticks, and if they can just implement that and somehow like work the lock on uh, mechanic into it uh, the same way, like it the games could become something great. Yeah, I wonder if they're even like remasters or if they're basically remakes, right? Because yeah, were any of the games in widescreen? You know what I mean? Like I just I guess for the Wii, they probably the for Corruption it probably was. Yeah, probably. But then like Oh, and they, I guess for the trilogy. But did they make those widescreen too or did they just like know. put bars I can't, on the side? Yeah, I like, never played it. Yeah. Um, speaking of Metroid, while never officially confirmed by Nintendo, it was reported that Na- Bandai Namco was working on the original version of Metroid Prime 4 before it was scrapped and uh, development moved over to Retro Studios. Okay. We're working on it right now. So at the same time that there were reports about Bandai Namco being the company 
uh, working with Nintendo on Metroid Prime 4, there were also reports that they were working on a Ridge Racer 8 game Kay. as a Switch exclusive. Uh-huh. So all that information, I'm just laying that out there to let you know that the rumor now is that Ridge Racer 8 has been canceled. Oh. And so this game that was never officially announced, it will never be coming out. Okay, great. <laughs> the end. I will not change my plans regarding Ridge Racer 8 or Bandai Namco games coming to the Switch. Uh, the uh, Speaking of games that... Uh, actually, there's no good transition for this one. It's all right. You can just start <laughs> talking again. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Blades was announced for release on Switch this fall, um, but has been delayed by Bethesda to early 2020. Um, are, is uh, Blades delayed on everything? Or? No, no, no. So okay. it already exists on like mobile platforms. Okay. And this was them porting the mobile game to Switch. Uh, one bit of news that was in this announcement that was new to me anyways, is that the PvP matches, when the Switch version is released, will be cross-play like play compatible with the mobile version oh, cool. and the Switch version, which is pretty cool. In Japan, Ring Fit Adventure has seemingly caught on in the way Nintendo hoped Labo would. Ooh. I mean, not to throw like Labo under a vehicle kit built bus, but here but, we go. Here uh, we go. Throwing it <laughs> I under. I mean, it just it clearly right. Labo did. I, I I don't even know. You know how to? I have no idea what their expectations were for it. But I think we haven't seen any further Labo kits. You know. Yeah, I mean, we've seen what four of them? Four. Yeah, yeah, four. Yeah, four. Four in total. Um, but sales for Ring Fit Adventure seem to, it seems to have caught on in the way that, like, you know, um, people are using their Switch in a new way, which sure. is what Nintendo's for a long time said. That's how they, uh, anticipated growing the Switch user base. And sales for Ring Fit Adventure in Japan have, like, barely dropped off week after week since its release, uh, despite, uh, reported shipment shortages. And this past week, Nintendo went so far as to offer a formal apology for the shortages and promises to increase shipment numbers in the last few weeks of the year. Wow. Um, you know, Ring Fit Adventure is one of those things that I was like, I, I believe I said on the show, uh, I'll, I'll pick that up in a year when it's like half this price. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is not going to come true. Right. I, I, I know a couple of people who have Ring Fit Adventure and are really liking it. Yeah, um, we have obviously been derelict in our duty here. If anyone out there has been playing Ring Fit Adventure and wants to tell us about their experience, we would love to hear about it. You can write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com because we want to know. And then finally, uh, Game Daily, I think it's the website is gamedaily.biz, ran an interview with former Nintendo of America president Reggie Fizeme. Mm. And uh, the whole interview is really great. You should check it out. Reggie seems like such like a smart, genuine guy. Um, but in the interview, the Game Daily reporter asked about his decision to retire and like the timing of that decision. Okay. Like basically, like how did you choose to retire when you chose to? And in uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically Reggie says that the death of uh, Nintendo's former leader Satoru Iwata was really like the catalyst behind it, hmm. in the sense that it made him like think about the legacy that Iwata had built uh, in Nintendo. And what Reggie wanted his legacy to be. And uh, and so, you know, he just figured, like, I he wanted to go do other things. One of the, A lot of stuff that he's involved in now is, like, building future leaders. Yeah. Um, and so, 
that was like an opportunity he was looking for specifically around like the timing Reggie said that it was important that the business be healthy and that the organization needed to be ready and both those things were finally in place like earlier this year yeah and you know that's uh well observed on his part that like Nintendo is in a uh not just good place but maybe like one of the best places they've ever been in um you know having put out uh you know odyssey and breath of the wild uh within like the last couple years and that the switch like is a cultural moment uh and that people are into it and not in like a flash in the pan like accidentally got grandma to play wii sports kind of way but in a like people are actually like invested in the in the in the hardware yeah and he talks about like the wii era and the ds era and how it was like nintendo's solution to what they saw as the problems of like video games at the time that they were all just like sequels and it was becoming like harder to get into gaming and like what all these like barriers it's such a good interview like i really suggest everybody go search it out um he also talks more about his relationship with awada and uh, you can tell really tell that like he really respected and admired the guy uh it's pretty touching the whole thing's great you can check it out on game uh daily.biz uh, all right, awesome. I am. Uh, I'll probably go check that out. I have not read that yet. And Mark, you've just you've just given me reading to do. I've got reading to do. I've got homework. All right, let's close out the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you could also share it anywhere, Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere where you share stuff. It helps us. Um, also, uh, on Thursday, we are putting out our second part of the uh, Best Nintendo uh, Music uh, Tournament, which will complete the bracket. You will know all eight entrants in the tournament, and we would love to know what your reactions are to it, who you think should beat what, um, and when, because when all of this comes down to it, that, that is the only part that we haven't recorded yet is actually running the bracket itself. Um, so if you can get those reactions into us by like next week, Monday, uh, we can maybe talk about them on the show itself. Um, and it's, I, Mark mentioned it before, but the first episode was a ton of fun and we, it feels really good. Second episode, just as fun, just as good. Right. Right. Um, so just be excited for that, I guess. I don't know what my command. I don't know what, what the call. What's the call to action here? I think it's uh, just send us your uh, picks for our. Yeah, for, y- for who, who should win? Yeah, right. Yes, uh, and if you think we messed up, uh, don't tell us that. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at M K Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. You can check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of Ape Betty's music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Hey, Club Scouts! It's Michael and Bryce and Riley from Bigfoot Collectors Club. And guess what? 
We're doing our first live show in Los Angeles in just a few weeks. Uh, that's right, everybody. We're so excited for Bryce's new show, Expedition Bigfoot, on the Travel Channel that we're going to have a viewing party at the Bigfoot Lodge in Atwater Village. Could you pick a better place? You could not. Guys, we couldn't. So, Monday, December 9th, from 7 to 9 p.m., we're going to be showing the first episode. That's right, of Expedition Bigfoot. And then we're going to talk to Bryce and a special guest, after the show, we're going to record it all live for you, the audience. And guys, what's the best part about this whole night? You get to come meet us, and it's free. It's free. It's free, guys. It's free. So join us Monday, December 9th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Bigfoot Lodge for our Expedition Bigfoot viewing party and live podcast recording. It's going to be big.